Welcome to Real Estate with Reshma in Canada with your host, Reshma Sheikh, your mortgage agent, with a mission to help you retire with at least $100,000 of passive income. Each episode features candid conversations with industry experts and real estate investors, revealing the financial strategies that have set them apart and how they are achieving their retirement goals. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, man. Welcome to my podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Reshma. Thank you for having me. I'm good. And how about yourself? I'm doing great. And, uh, would you mind introducing yourself for our viewers and listeners? Of course. Um, I'm a lawyer over at The Litigators. Uh, my primary focus um, in law is up with real estate, private lending, family law. And of course, my firm does a little bit of civil litigation. That's amazing. Actually, today I wanted to uh, talk about uh, foreclosures and uh, power of sales. You are an expert in that uh, space. And uh, would you mind like telling a little bit uh, about that? Of course. Power of sales are actually um, types of transactions that we have seen occurring much more often lately. It's, of course, definitely because of the market. Um, even before I dwell into it, I think it's essential that we speak about what is a power of sale. Uh, mainly, power of sales occur because lenders that are registered on title um, or mortgages, they start a process uh, where the borrower has defaulted on a loan and they've uh, followed up with it, sent some demand notices, and they are not able to catch up to their mortgage payments. And due to that, the lender then exercises their right of a power of sale and then goes through a certain number of steps in order to recover the outstanding debt that they have uh, with the borrower. This uh, this process in itself is governed by the laws and regulations of Ontario. And again, um, the lender has to follow a particular number of steps, send some demand notices, wait at, um, the applicable time period before they can enforce this on onto these borrowers. Oh, that's amazing. Let's dumb it down. <laughs> that is a lot of information. Power of sale is essentially when a borrower defaults on their mortgage, uh, the bank uh, essentially puts their property on a power of sale. And is that right? Exactly. I mean, when you're closing on your transaction, think about it this way, that your lender gets registered onto title. So first you'll have your deed, so you'll own the property. And then right after your deed, you have your charge or your mortgage get registered on the title. So for example, let's use one of the main five banks, Scotiabank right? Um, they'll go on to the charge. Now you have this mortgage going on with Scotiabank and let's say you start defaulting on these payments. So Scotiabank will be like, hey, you're defaulting, you're one month late, you're three months late. Eventually they're going to come to a point where they're like, hey, you, we know that you're not going to be making these default payments. You can't settle with us because of a various number of reasons. So they'll start these power of sale proceedings where the home gets sold for a fair market value and then all the debts on title, meaning the charges or anything registered that needs to be paid out gets paid out in sequence of how they are registered. Okay, so how many payments uh, uh, if the borrower misses, like the bank uh, introduces power of sale? Please. Okay. It definitely varies in terms of how many payments. Now, of course, lenders are required, as in uh, any other court case, of to do a settlement first or sort of to give these borrowers enough opportunities to be able to catch up um, or various other solutions. And it's at that point where uh, the lenders know that there is no coming back from this. The seller is or the um, borrower is not able to make these payments. Do they start enforcing power of sale? And that all goes through a court as well, right? You get a court order for a power 
power, uh, power of sale and uh, you have to give respective notices to the borrowers. So it's not like it's all of a sudden your house is getting sold. These borrowers are in this transaction. They're going through these for a fair number of uh, while before the power of sale actually gets initiated. Uh, what kind of a settlement negotiation happens between the well, borrower and the lender? The the lender definitely wants to make their money back. Now, as you know, there's a cost of borrowing that the lender always sends, and they know how much money they're going to make on each product. So, of course, their first um, option is to, hey, let's go back to the borrower and say, you need to pay such and such back. Um, maybe they'll waive their uh, prepayment penalties or some sort of other penalties, but hey, it's it's time to pay us back. If you can't, that's why they're registered on title, right? Because once, they're, once you're on title, you then have an encumbrance on title that you will then enforce upon. Gotcha. And uh, usually, uh, how long does this process take for the bank to go through all these legal legal so, process? So it's about 45 days after your demand notice, approximately. And then after that, what will happen is that the property will get listed, which is when the realtors will get involved in the process. Um, and then once they do, uh, they'll they'll find a buyer for this. And once they get sold, now something uh, a lot of people are um, not aware of is that they think that when they're selling power of sale, it's being sold uh, under value. Um, it's actually not like that. You have to sell the property fair market value. And let's say you are going through this process and you have, uh, in, in addition to not being, paying your lender back, you also have property taxes outstanding and anything such as CRA or any government related items outstanding, those will always get paid first and then the items on title with the funds that are left over. That's exactly right. The city and the government always precedes the uh, bank, right? Like they have to get paid first. Like if uh, if they get default, they always have right over everybody else. So that's why I think all the lenders pay off the city first, even if it has to be from their own pocket, like they just do it. Like uh, especially if it's a private lender, they literally pay it off their pocket and then uh, they put it on power of sale or foreclosure, right? And uh, so uh, how does uh, the realtor gets involved in the process? Like, uh, uh, like the bank contacts the uh, realtor or the sell, uh, you know, the, seller context sure you know what it could be the lender it themselves it's really these these most likely they're in this sort of uh marketing hole or or these reports that are made with the lender um where they'll be like hey we're gonna go ahead and sell this on power of sale and then the realtor will come um, list the property or however they want to market the property itself to find a buyer. And then another thing to keep in mind is that let's say you find a buyer and you sell the property fair market value. It's not always as, as such a situation where everything on title gets paid off. There are some times where after even selling the property, not the whole mortgage does not get paid out. And then the lender still has uh, legal actions or the ability to go after this borrower for the difference of what was not paid off. Oh, wow. So usually like there are uh, two types of mortgages, right? Like uh, insured mortgages and uninsured mortgages. Insured mortgages is uh uh, when you're uh, putting less than 20% down payment in that scenario, if uh, in case of default and if there is a difference uh, after the power of sale and uh, the bank is not getting paid, the insurer will cover it. And um, so I have a question. Uh, after getting the demand letter from the bank uh, to the borrower, 
can the borrower has the ability to object it the only way they're going to do that is if they have the funds to pay it right um they can object but they also have signed a commitment and they have an obligation to pay back these funds in a certain number of time their uh last payment date or their maturity date as um uh, we call it in the mortgage world um and if they don't or even before that they have they you sign a standard charge terms and you sign all of these documentation for the bank to confirm that yes i will keep up with my payments i will make sure that everything is adhered to as per the conditions of the mortgage so in in the sense where now you have you've been defaulting you're breaching your terms you're breaching a contract um with your lender and that's when they're able to take uh enforceability or there is they're able to take action to get these funds back because again these banks are businesses like everything else is and they're going to want their funds they they have a certain number of cost of borrowing with the, that they're about to make and of course these bigger banks have lawyers on hand where they're like okay if this isn't happening we're going to start these uh proceedings sometimes the borrowers are able to bring it back up by finding funds from relatives or different places or even you know you uh, i've seen a lot more private lending happening these days in the market because of course it's harder to now get approved for these mortgages because a the threshold is higher interest rates are higher affordability is higher so people are going to these private lending routes because a little easier to get private funds for more expensive cost of borrowing uh if someone is going into a foreclosure and they have defaulted on this property taxes and uh, all, like all other city like charges whatever even the private lender it's a very risky for the for a private lender they would be like there's a 99% of the chance that they won't lend on it right uh-huh, like uh, uh-huh. if foreclosure or power of sale for for banks it's like a, a pool of funds they are playing they're playing in billions of dollars so if someone is defaulting on half a million dollars it's still like they are not uh, going bankruptcy but for private lenders like uh, it's just all their life savings like yeah. i think that they should understand that like uh, it's very riskier business like when, especially when you're lending to someone who is going into foreclosure or like power of sale I guess. Oh, no, I definitely always advise my private lending clients that hey, you know, we we vet them and of course there's appraisal done accordingly and then that's why these mortgages are registered on title. Again, the same sort of um assurity that you get from that these main big banks get because you're registered on title now probably as a second mortgage um cuz those are probably why most people getting private mortgages they're seconds or thirds on title and 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 they have that same assurance on title but as you know private mortgages have much higher interest rates they have many more fees such as lender fees so the the private lenders okay, well, risk pays. So they're like, okay, well, we'll assess this. Definitely higher risk because they're smaller um, corporations that might be lending or less um, less fluid people because banks, again, like you said, they have big, uh, big funds and they have big legal teams on hand too, but yeah. private lenders, not so much. They see this more as a um, a smaller opportunity to make money on their money that's sitting there. exactly so like few months ago i had a client and uh, he had a uh, a lot of lot of equity in his home and uh, he had first mortgage with a bank and uh, he has a second mortgage with a private lender up to 80% loan to value and uh, 
the private lender it's he's been with the lender for like one year and the private lender gave a notice that hey you have to pay this off and uh, so the client came to me asking for uh can i get a second mortgage then i'm like okay great you have equity in the home let's look at the file once i started looking at the file like he has defaulted on his uh uh, property taxes and uh, we looked at his notice of assessments like he defaulted on his CRA and it's very risky for them because he's going into more debt to pay off his debt so but uh, I've uh, I had like chance to have a, this conversation with the client you're taking more debt to pay off these debts and uh, you don't have enough income to make this monthly payments and uh, you're only making interest only payments for this uh second mortgage and uh, you just don't have enough funds and uh, there is no way you can pay this off and uh, the best case scenario for you is to you know sell the house and uh, you will get literally like uh, almost two to three hundred thousand dollars of uh, pro sale proceeds and uh, you can rent temporarily or you can you know downsize buy an apartment or or a townhouse right so on that note you know i you might have noticed that there's a lot more sales happening these days um and not enough buyers in the market and that's again it it leads also to this interest rate and people who um locked into variable rates and now their mortgage shot up because of course interest rates are much higher um and they're not able to afford these mortgages anymore so like you said i mean the best scenario to this is you sell your property but then you also have those people that are not willing to sell and they're sort of fighting tooth and nail to keep their property and now they're in over their head with debts um, because of course they don't want to leave their home but I definitely have noticed this pattern of a lot of people now selling their homes because their mortgages are just unattainable they're not able to pay them off they rather sell their home rent somewhere or downsize which is really the theme happening these days because I mean affordability is harder exactly it is definitely a pattern and uh uh, I think the best uh, way to avoid this situation is uh, be proactive rather than reactive to the situation, right? And uh, you can uh, like talk to professionals and uh, they can take advice, talk to people and uh, they'll give you advice, right? I think uh, if you sell it by yourself, you are in a better position and also downsizing and uh, there is no shame in that, right? Uh, like, ultimately if you are going into foreclosures uh, that's a lot more harder to go through than selling your home and then downsizing or renting i think that's the best case scenario i think so too and you know in in this economy you really have to move your financing real accordingly to your income and to every, your affordability so if it is downsizing or getting a smaller mortgage or even refinancing um and consolidating your debt and so be it, right? It's it's really, I, I feel like a lot of people don't have that information out there or they're hesitant to reach out to professionals such as yourself or myself. I mean, I would really come in more towards the end of structuring deals, but people like you, mortgage brokers, who are super knowledgeable, um, you know, it's just simple, pick up the phone, give you a call and talk about it, lay it all out. And of course, we're, all this information is kept confidential between, you know, your professional and their client. Um, but it's sometimes just a simple, 
simple phone call that, hey, this is what I'm going through. What are the rates out there? And uh, I know, uh, Reshma, you you help a lot of people um, and you're very knowledgeable in terms of uh, banks, institutions and where you can take your clients to really get them that best deal. Uh, so really, I urge people out there to give professionals a call to before they make any moves or before they even, you know, refinance or get into a private mortgage, talk to these professionals, see where their options are, do a little bit of market research and then move forward accordingly. Exactly. Sometimes uh, we can consolidate that debt. Sometimes we can suggest to sell it off. Or sometimes we will suggest to take a second mortgage. And uh, there are a lot more products right now which came into the market, like extended amortization up to 40 years or uh, or like um, qualifying the client for on a contract rate. So there are a lot of creative solutions, definitely. Uh, we can mitigate the risk, but it has to be early on, not at the end, right? Like they have to come to a professional <laughs> early on when they're like yeah. uh, going to foreclosure it's so, easier for you to prevent these things rather than to try to mitigate the whole situation once it's all already happened because these people are already in binding contracts with different different institutions exactly so help me understand uh, what's the difference between foreclosures and power of sales from my understanding uh power of sale is uh basically uh the bank's uh sells the uh, property on uh, for a market value through a realtor and uh, whatever is the proceeds uh, if there is any profits the seller still get the profits after the mortgage is paid off but in the foreclosures the lender just takes over the title right yeah, it's as is. And it's more of a court supervised procedure where they'll take the possession of the property and recover all the outstanding debts um, because of the default. So they're, they're both uh, initiated for that same reason, whereas the power of sale is less uh, court supervised, whereas, it'll, of course, it'll um, get approved by a court and there'll be notices sent. But then everything else um, forward, like there's a realtor then involved and then they'll sell the house. And then um, the steps are all as per the laws of Ontario, but much less court intervention as there is with a foreclosure okay so if i'm a buyer and i want to buy a foreclosure or power of sale property through a realtor what are the precautions someone as a buyer should take when someone wants to buy well, this deal a few things. Number one, um, don't just assume that you're getting this property at a really good rate. I can almost assure you it will be at a fair market value, which means that it'll be the price it should be in this economy right now. So a lot of people are like, oh, we will only buy power of sale. Don't go into it with that mindset. Number two, remember that you're getting the property in an as-is situation, meaning everything in the property, nothing is guaranteed. Normally in a resale, there's a... Um, a principle called caveat emptor that's called it means buyer beware it applies a hundred times more it's emphasized in a power of sale because the seller has no input into this selling up and and they've defaulted so really you're probably going to get this home in not the best condition because these people were already not able to afford their financing um out there they're most likely are also in arrears for taxes because if they can't afford the property, um, most most of the times, as you know, that lenders pay those taxes with their mortgage payments. So there might be a lot of arrears that need to get paid. So even if you do a power of sale, your uh, mortgage might not, the mortgage that's defaulted might not get completely paid 
which means that that instrument um, or that mortgage that's registered on title, it's not going to get deleted until it's completely paid off. There also might be many, many other people who are after the sellers for, fi- for financing or funds or other things, such as notice of security interests that are registered on title that could come up, right? Because again, once they know that this property is getting sold, they everyone wants their money. The main yeah. thing, you're getting the property and as is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If there are a lot more areas, uh, there could be other liens apart from mortgage, right? There could be hot water rental lien. There could be hydro liens like, uh, like from a hydro company or there could be other some contractor liens. What do you do as a lawyer? Do you go through all these liens? Do you do a oh, title yeah. So that title search is very essential. So in a normal transaction... As a buyer's lawyer, I always make sure that when my client is buying a property, they receive a clean title, which means I actually print out that title search and go instrument by instrument to make sure I I confirm where it is, if it's getting assumed by my client or it needs to get discharged. Even the um, something simple as the legal description, sometimes they're affected by easements or they're subject to different, different instruments. So uh, it's my job to make sure that my client is not assuming any contracts or any easements or anything that they really don't have to. And that's just something that an easement uh, for a utility provider or something that must be there, like the city. These are all in the agreement of purchase and sale, and they're always assumed by the buyer. Of course, you can't do much about that. But anything else, such as uh, a lien from the uh, hot water rental, those are most... So there's a notice of security interest registered on title, and they're very common. Of course, there are times where the buyer expects that to be paid off by the seller before they move in, and that's all as per the agreement of purchase and sale. Other times, my clients are assuming it, so I'll prepare documentation accordingly um, for 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 the sellers to complete to provide to um, my office before we close. And if those and if those things aren't all played off or deleted as per the agreement of purchase and sale, then the vendors aren't in a position to close. Okay, are you saying that uh, if there are uh, any utility company liens or hot water rental liens or any small liens? Uh, in the APS, uh, the seller has to pay it off and uh, we're still in a good situation. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So in the APS, there's a section for rentals and normally the hot water tank will be there. But if there is nothing that's getting assumed by the buyer, then everything on title needs to get paid off other than the easements and stuff from the city, the utility providers and stuff. Like, let's say Rogers will have an easement going through or Bell or um, Hydro. I mean, those things are common and they stay on title because those are the easements needed. Your house needs water. Your house needs connectivity. Um, And and they're not really rentals. They're more easements um, or liens going through. But if there's something from Reliance, Crown Crest being the most common liens from hot water tank uh, lenders, um, those, if my buyer is not assuming it, meaning they're not taking over the contract, then the sellers need to pay it off. Gotcha. And uh, usually like uh, this uh, title search comes at the end of the closing, right? Someone gets into agreement of purchase and say like, let's say they got into it with a condition, five day financing condition or five day home inspection condition. And uh, that lawyer usually gets involved when the transaction is closing. It's usually exactly. 
one or two weeks before the closing. A hundred percent, which which sucks, right? Because you want to know these things. So where an agent will do their search uh, through their own softwares, it won't even come to me up until two, three weeks. And then by the time I'm reviewing it, the first thing I do is a title search because I need to know what's on title. And then I send my requisition letter if I'm on the buyer's side or receive the requisition letter if I'm on the seller's side. And then I make sure that I address every single thing accordingly. Gotcha. And uh, only as a lawyer, you can do a title search, right? There is no other professional who can do this. Well, I mean, I pulled the title search from uh, a software called TerraView, which is what all lawyers and law clerks have access to. I, 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 I do believe that Geo Warehouse might be able to pull this as well. So I, I think realtors are able to see just not the actual title search, just the history of it. Gotcha. Yeah. And the mortgage agents have access to purview report. Maybe like exactly. Some- yeah. It might reflect that, but not very clear. All we see is like mortgage titles, like if there is second mortgage or third mortgage on it. Usually that's what we see, but uh, maybe some zoning. Uh, but uh, right now we are in an economy where the interest rates are going through the roof, right? Oh. Yep. And a lot of renewals are coming up in uh, 2024 and 2025. In 2024, there's $221 billion worth of mortgages are coming for renewal. And in 2025, there is around like $350 billion worth of mortgages coming up for renewal. So I think this is the last Bank of Canada rate hike just because the economy is already a lot stressed and um, like, and we have not seen the impact of those rate hikes yet because the worst parties yet to come in uh, 2024 and uh, if uh, someone has a a renewal coming up for the next two years uh, reach out to a mortgage agent and um, understand what your options are and there are a lot more creative solutions at this point because lenders understand uh, all the situations the borrowers are getting into right I definitely advise all my clients of that too, you know, and, and, and they need to talk to people like you, Reshma, because you don't know what's going to happen. Everybody is very confused right now. Um, we don't, people don't have buying power, right? Because, hey, fine, you might have the savings saved up and you might put the 20% down, but those monthly mortgage payments and everything that's going to work out after, it, it, it's scary because, you know, people with even $150,000 income or more are not able to afford homes that they were easily able to buy before exactly like uh, the household income of 200k is like not, not enough, enough. <laughs> exactly which is why i urge people to talk to you or even call your lawyer um you know i come more at the end of the process but people like you who are knowledgeable about the process can lock these people lock these individuals into products that are more suited for their income for their lifestyle for what they're seeking and you can also of course consolidate death or give them a lot of different options and these new products because you know, banks have to adjust themselves to what's happening to the market, which is why, as you said, there's these new products that are out there and um, you can advise them, let them know, give them the knowledge they need so that they can make an informed decision and move on with their financing and their purchase accordingly. Exactly. And by the way, all my clients get a free consultation from Iman because it's a complimentary consultation. If someone wants to reach out to Iman, how, how can they do that? 
Well, they can give me a call um, or they can uh, call the litigators, the office. Of course, I'm always available here. I always do like to have that preliminary call with all my clients just to see where they stand, what information they have, especially with my first time home buyers. That call is usually much lengthy because I'll walk them through from the beginning to the end of what the transaction will look like, whichever transaction they're entering into. Um, and then from there, we'll start the process. And that way, my main thing is always to be transparent. Uh, I want my clients to know exactly what's happening. And that's why I urge them to call professionals and know, hey, this is my rate. This is what I'm getting. And this is how it's going to look beyond um, us doing this closing. Because never do I want a client closing and then being shocked at some part of the process. Because they should be well aware and informed of uh, from the beginning to the end. Well, you always go above and beyond for your clients. And you're such an awesome uh lawyer and uh, you are very empathetic as well and you understand your client's needs and uh, I really am glad that I have uh, you as a lawyer on my power team and uh, my clients get access to you that's really amazing and uh, what's your phone number and email address so um I my email address is a maksud at the litigators.ca and my phone number uh for the firm would be well you can call the office or my direct line which would be 416-508-2937. You can e easily reach me there and that way at least um you know we can get on a call let's talk let's discuss uh even if we you know even have a three-way conference with our clients and that way they have that mortgage perspective as well as the legal perspective on their transaction that's amazing i'll put those details in the show notes and uh, thank you so much for your time i mean and uh, i really appreciate you educating uh, all the listeners and uh, your clients and my clients thanks reshma bye guys thank you for tuning into another episode of real estate with reshma in canada if you are looking to purchase a home and wondering what you are qualifying for you have a mortgage renewal coming up and you're looking for a second opinion. Maybe you are planning to do a refinance, to pull out equity, to buy another investment property. If you want to finance your flip project, we would love to help you fund, experience our complimentary budget planning and tailored solutions. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing.